stand as we read today, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24 this morning. The Bible says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, everybody say does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. The title of this morning's message is called Bobbin' and Weaving. It's called Bobbin' and Weaving because most of our Christian walk, that's what it seems like we're doing. We're seeing the enemy come at us from every direction. And we're bobbing and we're weaving and we're trying to make it to the end zone. But let me tell you this, and this will be a profound statement. There was more than just Emmett Smith on that highlight reel. Did you see all the people trying to tackle him? See, sometimes the enemy be in your life to be on your highlight reel to show how you've overcome the enemy in every area of your life. God wants you to overcome the enemy to defeat the enemy, and if you are the person who he had held the face mask and just kind of led him into the end zone, that's what you are going to start doing to the enemies in your life, amen? You are no longer just going to be bobbing and weaving and trying to get to the end zone. You are going to watch the enemy be defeated before you on every front. I need you to get ready for a life-changing, transformational message that God is going to use to literally deliver your family from anything and everything that your family is going through. It says, the wise man who built his house upon the rock, but the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. Today, many of us are fighting battles in the flesh that we think are of the flesh when the truth is a lot of the things we're fighting in the flesh have a spiritual root that has a physical manifestation. And if we will deal with the spiritual root on the inside, the symptoms of the physical manifestation will begin to dissipate and go away. Today, we're going to start dealing with some root issues. We're going to start dealing with some internal stuff deep down on the inside of every one of us, myself included, that God is going to begin to change and transform and watch you do amazing things with your life from this point on. We're going to talk about a family in the Bible that curses followed their whole family and they didn't know it. So I'm going to ask you today, are curses following you? Are curses resting on your life that you may not know about, that God wants to deliver you from, that can set you up for a great victorious life throughout the rest of your life? And so I want to read to you the account out of Genesis chapter number 9 and verse number 20 through 27. And this is after Noah and the flood took place. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And after the flood took place and they had reestablished themselves, this is where the account takes place. And the Bible says Noah ended up planting a vineyard and ended up having too much to drink. And when he was passed out, basically laying in his tent, one of his sons walked in and ended up making a mockery of him. And this is where the account picks up, Genesis 9 verse 20. And it says, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of the slaves he will be to his brother. The sons of Noah went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three sons of Noah and all the peoples of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil and planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and became drunk and laid uncovered in his tent. See, even Bible people ain't perfect, okay? So you got hope. And he was drunk and laid under his tent. And Ham... The father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it both over their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. 
and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. And now the sons of Canaan were these people. They were the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Adverites, the Zimorites, the Hamathites. And Ham's other sons came and their descendants were the sons of the Philistines. So when God was bringing people out of Egypt into their own land, where would God promise that he would bring them to? He told them to go to the land of Canaan. The son of Ham was Canaan. Shem, Ham, and Japheth were sons of Noah. They had, Ham had a son named Canaan. They began to be dispersed all over the earth. And Canaan ended up being this fruitful land. This very profitable land. This land that was flowing, the Bible says, with milk and honey. And we'll read about that here in just a little bit. But when God called the people out of Egypt, he said, I'm going to bring you to a promised land. A land that has houses that you did not build. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. And they brought him to the land of Canaan. So little did they know that Canaan, when they were building this huge, vast empire, that they were not building for themselves. They were building for somebody else because curses were following them all the way along. I want you to reevaluate and begin to look at your life from a different perspective. Not placing blame and not taking responsibility for what you're doing because there's a lot of things if you'll just take responsibility for it you'll end the curse right there if you'll stand up against it you take responsibility and say no i'm stopping this in my family line right here because you have authority in christ you can do it and god will begin to transform your life so i'm not saying pass the buck or pass the blame or blame mommy or daddy your great 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 aunt methuselah way down the line amen <laughs> I, I don't know who's in your family line that's all messed up but we all got them amen and nobody in anybody's family is perfect, amen. So treat each other with grace and mercy, but also realize your authority and begin to stop what may be going down the family line and you start building a new family tree with a spiritual kingdom of God, amen. And so in this process, I want you to realize when they were, God was bringing them out of Egypt, he told them to go to the land of Canaan. And when he told them to go to the land of Canaan, this is what he told them to do. Remember all those sons, all the ites, <laughs> You got the Ite family over here. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Admirites, the Advocites, whatever. The crazy Ites, I mean, you got some of them. Now listen to who God told them to drive out in Exodus 23. He said, when my angel goes before you and he brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, I will blot them out and you shall not bow down to their gods or serve them, nor as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars to pieces and you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and he will take sickness from amongst your family. The job of you as a believer is to recognize where God is bringing you and to bring you to a place where you start pulling down the pillars of the gods that have been before you and you begin to worship the Lord your God. And watch how God begins to break through in your life and never before. So many people, you just deal, you, you, ju you just play with the hand you've been dealt. When God wants to deal you a whole new hand sometimes. And when you recognize that there is a time that you need to fold them, amen? Y'all have heard that song, you got to know when to hold them, you got to know when to fold them. I told you, we're not a perfect people. We, I, I've heard that song. <laughs> and too many of y'all are holding when you should be folding. And too many, many of y'all are hanging on to past family pasts. When you need to fold it up and say, God, give me a new hand. Give me a new fresh start. And then it goes on to say this. Exodus 3.8. It says, so you have come down to rescue them. Talking about the, uh, the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. From the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out of the land into a good land. A spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. 
the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And God said this in Deuteronomy 8 about the land. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Some of y'all are settling for junk in your family. You're settling for, I preface myself with it, you're settling for absolute crap. You're settling for absolute junk. When God says, I'm trying to bring you to a good land. I just feel it in my spirit this morning that God is breaking through some of your mindsets this morning. That you're starting to believe that my life can be better than it's always been. It can change. God can do something. I can begin to change what I'm going through so my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids to the fourth generation can walk in the blessing of God like never before. And God is saying, I'm trying to bring you to a good land. Listen to this land. A land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where the bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. I don't like any of that stuff it just says except the lack nothing part, okay? But I know what good land means and I know what lack nothing means. And I know this, if God is trying to bring an old covenant people into a good land to tear down and, and, and break off the curses of people's lives and bring them to a place of blessing, how much more, the Bible says, is Christ wanting to do that in the New Testament, the New Covenant, with a spirit-filled group of believers like never before? So welcome to the greatest day of your family's life, not just your life today. And so this morning, I wanted to go through all that background all that history for you to realize that the whole time Canaan was a land prospering, but they didn't know they had curses following them. I want you to look at your life. Your life may be pretty good and okay. You may have good finances. Your family may be doing well. Everything may be going good. But are you building a land that's prospering for only curses to be following behind you that you may in your lifetime never deal with? But your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids may have to begin to deal with. This morning, I need you to check yourself and begin to make sure that the legacy you're leaving for the family doesn't have curses following it and begin to break off the things in your life that are not of God and watch God do something amazing because here's what they didn't know. Israel was coming to drive them out. They told them to go to the land of Canaan and for 12 generations, the sons of Ham's were slaves, but they didn't know it. For 12 generations, Canaan, the son of Ham, who was cursed, was a slave building a huge empire and didn't know he was even a slave. See, there may be things resting in your life that you just don't know about that may pop up. For 12 generations, they were building great empire for someone else. And for 12 generations, the sins of the father followed the sons, and they didn't know it. I want to challenge you today to look at your life, to find out what may be following you, to find out what's going on in your life. And I want to ask you two questions as I begin this message this morning. Two questions this morning as I begin is number one, are curses following you? And number two, are you opening doors for things in your life that will leave a legacy that you don't want for your kids for generations to come? I'm gonna briefly fly through some of these things so I can get to where I really wanna be. Many times today, we don't call them curses, but we call them spirits. And now listen to this. Curses are, listen, satanic spirits following you. The manifestation of these spirits end up being the outward showing that resemble curses in your life, okay? Have you, and, and I'll hit on some of these main ones here in just a second. But have you ever seen a, a, a great granddad who had an anger problem, whose son said, I will never be like my dad, and he ends up having an anger problem? Whose son says, I will never be like my dad or my granddad and has an anger problem. And then he has kids, and because he vowed he will never be like them, he opened the door for that spirit to come in him, and now he's angry when he disciplines his sons. 
Have you ever seen that? Have you ever heard of that? Or my great-granddad was an alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. So I guess I'm destined to be an alcoholic. You ladies out there, I know I'm using dads and granddads, but my grandmama had breast cancer. My mama had breast cancer. I guess I'm destined for it one day to have it. You're not. You're not. What your parents went through should open your eyes to realize what you will not go through, not what you're trying to bring on and pass on. Open our eyes. Let's look a little bit. And I want to read through some of these to you because here's where some of these things start. This, there are 15 root spirits in the Bible that a lot of things stem off of. And I know there, in, in the day we live in, we, we say things like the, the Jezebel spirit and things like that. Well, that's not an actually biblical spirit. It's a, it's a woman. The woman Jezebel had several of these root spirits in her, and it manifested into the evil woman Jezebel. And because we see people with three or four of these different types of spirit that line up with how she looked, we say, well, it's the Jezebel spirit, okay? Well, it's not really that. It's the four or five root ones in her that made up who she was in that process. And some of y'all are looking at me like a calf at a new gate this morning thinking, I don't have a clue what this man's talking about. Well, I'm going to tell you something this morning that's very profound. Open up your eyes to the spirit realm, to the spiritual world. Because if the Bible says our weapons are not of this world, but they are divine for the pulling down of strongholds, that means there's a different world out there. If the Bible talks about the armor we have is the helmet of salvation, the, the, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, our feet are shod with the gospel of peace, and, and, and all those things, and to pray in the spirit at all times for other believers, there's a different world out there that we're supposed to be dealing in instead of just constantly fighting the physical manifestations that we see. And so in this, uh, the number one spirit, or the first spirit I'm going to mention, not the number one, is the spirit of divination. Divination, which ends up leading to witchcraft. And some of y'all are thinking, well, I'm not a Satanist. And, and, and the, the, well, there's nothing wrong with white magic or this magic or that magic. I'm telling you, anything along those lines, go ahead and just put it away. Just get rid of it. Some of y'all who just read the horoscopes for the fun of it, quit, put it away. Your trust is not in what is written in a newspaper and how the stars are aligned. But your trust is in a God who aligned the stars and made you and called you by name. So put it away. I even go so far as this. I love going to Chinese restaurants. I love it. I will eat too much and hurt myself way too fast at a Chinese restaurant. And at the end, they always bring you a little cookie called a what? Fortune cookie. And I open them up and I read every one of them. But I don't put my faith in a fortune cookie. I check it. I look and say, ah, that's retarded. And forgive me for that terminology that I just used. I'm sorry. That was, I told you we're not in a perfect church. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. My wife goes so far, she said, honey, I don't even read them things. I don't even eat that cookie because I don't want anything that it's associated with. And, and I respect her for that. I just like the way that cookie tastes. <laughs> that's some good stuff. I love fortune cookies. Some of y'all are like, ooh, that's nasty. You just don't like to eat like I like to eat. I love to eat. And so I want to challenge you out there. Watch what you're letting into your life. A jealous spirit comes from this. you got bitterness, anger, rage, malice, envy. If you find somebody who's dealing with bitterness, they're just a bitter person, there's a root of a jealous spirit somewhere. It's somewhere in there. And the Bible says this, envy is the rottenness of the bones. Now, I need you to put that in today's language. Envy is the rottenness of the bones. What is the rottenness of the bones in today's term? Bone cancer or Cancer. And I'm not saying everybody who's ever had cancer has a jealous issue. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is some of these root spirits can get in. And a lot of people who live bitter all their life die way before they're predestined to die. And it's not God's timing that they died in. Well, what about God being sovereign? Yes, God is sovereign. God's got a true and perfect plan that he's bringing to pass. And you can get in on it and be a part of it. 
But the things that you let into your life either promote the kingdom or hinder the kingdom one way or the other. So you got divination, you got jealous, and I'm going to have to fly through some of these, even though it's like an eight-week message just right here in these points. A lying spirit. How many of you know people who are just, they, they just got this spirit of, of when they talk, you just know it ain't all truth. It's just a lying spirit. And, and, and it's not like they're just fabricating these huge, massive lies, but everything they say is just a little bit off. You notice after Eve and Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, she began to develop this about her. She said, God, if you do this, then surely this. And God never said that. So go back and check out the story of Adam and Eve. There are things that she said God would do that God never said he was going to do. But because she began to say it and began to develop this, it begins to take place. And curses begin to follow. Now listen, you got a spirit of perverseness. This is twisting or distorting anything that is righteous. This goes from religion to sexual relations. Spirit of perverseness. A spirit of perverseness in religion is having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. To say, I believe in Jesus all day long. I believe God can save, heal, and deliver. But you not walking forth in that manifest power. It's perverting it. All the alities out there that deal with sexual, sexual issues. Okay? You got all the alities out there. The Bible list them. You got bestiality. You got all these things. And if you're naive to the internet, stay naive to the internet. You got the alities out there. You got all the isms out there. Alcoholism. All the isms, all the alities out there that a lot of this stuff comes from that we need to begin to stop and put strongholds before in our life that are based on the kingdom of God so the enemy can't come in. You got a spirit of haughtiness and we call it pride. This is where we, we operate like this. We do all we can until we can't do no more and then everything comes crashing down and then we fall on God and let God pick it up. When actually God says, lay it all before me, God specifically says this, Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. He doesn't want you juggling 15 plates. He wants you carrying his plate and let him take care of your 15. And then you got the spirit of pride, but it's reverse pride, Damon. He's like, hey, Damon, you did a great job today and you, you do an awesome job. Oh, no, I don't. It's, it's okay. It, you know, and people never receive a compliment. It's okay to receive a compliment because when you do something great, Johnny, you did something great. He did. Many people, when they leave here, say, great message, Pastor. And I say, thank you. God is good because I know where the greatness came from. It is not in this. It is in him that worked through this. So you can receive the compliment. And other people who have a real pride issue is this. It's like, oh, I'm going to tell you a compliment, but don't get prideful. I've had people say that to me before. And it's like, well, don't get prideful when I say this. Don't get a big head. Shut your mouth and walk away because I don't want to hear it. If you got to clarify it or qualify it, it means you got an issue with what you're about to say, not me. So quit. Deal with the spirit of pride. And a lot of people who call people out on a spirit of pride have a spirit of pride because you recognize your own, correct? So let's begin to deal with some of these things. Some of the other ones, and I'm just going to begin to list them because I'm getting way behind here. you got a spirit of heaviness with his negativity, depression, stupor. Have you ever talked to somebody who in their life, it, you just don't want to talk to them because everything they say is negative? Hey, how you doing today? Well, that could be worse. Could be. See you later. Hey, negative Nancy or negative Nathan, Norman, whoever you are out there. Quit, Norman. I wasn't talking to you. I wasn't talking to you. I said Nathan first. Sorry if there's a Nathan in here. Whoever you are, quit being negative. Do you not know the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you? So quit saying something negative. Man, it could be a beautiful sunny day, but do you see that cloud over there? Could get some rain. Good, we're praying and believing for rain. We're in a drought. I mean, turn it around. Begin to speak life into the things that you're dealing with. Spirit of stupor, low self-esteem, 
Self-pity, procrastination, constant fatigue. This blocks success many times. Back with a spirit of heaviness, a lot of depression and rejection and suicide ends up from that. A spirit of infirmity. Spirit of infirmity is sickness and diseases and generational things that go from family member to family member to family member to family member. Cancers. Uh, allergy issues. How many of y'all deal with allergies? I'm rebuking them in the name of Jesus. I, I'm telling you. Some people are like, I don't want to admit it or should I get in trouble? Am I accepting it? It's okay. We're in a safe place. Just realize what you're fighting against. And so, well, that's just the natural part of life. Maybe because we live in a fallen, broken world, but you have authority over the things of and in this world. So let's begin to walk in some of these things. Spirit of infirmity rests upon people. Chronic people who are just, anytime a sickness comes along, they got it. A hypochondriac, you know? Oh, I got this pain right here in my leg, and, and it must be this or that or the other thing. It's like, it may just because you woke up and slept wrong. I mean, I'm telling you, just because something's wrong in the world doesn't mean you got to have it, <laughs> okay? And so in this process, watch what takes place. This next one I want to talk about a little bit is called a dumb and deaf spirit. Now, this isn't talking about just physical hearing loss, okay, or people who can't talk. This is talking about mental issues that take place in the brain. Just because your ancestors had Alzheimer's doesn't mean you got to walk in it. Just because Aunt Susie's bipolar doesn't mean you got to be. Amen. Come on. God can begin to transform things in your life. Speak the word of God into your life. The Bible says with a long life, he's going to satisfy you and show you his salvation. I've never seen somebody satisfied who's laying in bed with a mental illness. It doesn't line up with God's word. So I want to challenge you this morning. Begin to recognize things that are in your family's lineage. And if you begin to really research this, you're going to come to me next week singing, and you're just going to throw up everywhere saying, oh my God, there's no hope for me. My family's all jacked up. Good, welcome to my world, amen. And in this process, God's word is still greater. And if heaven and earth are gonna pass away, but the word of God will stand forever, why don't you begin to stand on the word of God who's greater than your family and watch what God begins to do. And so as we go down, a spirit of bondage, it's keep people from seeing salvation, the truth. You know, people who just won't accept the truth, they're in bondage to their own lie that they're believing. So many times the spirit of bondage has built on top of the, a lying spirit, and so they've deceived themselves, but they're bound up by the bondage, and so you can't get to the lying spirit until you deal with the bondage spirit. This is why counseling is brutal, because you come into people, and they, and they got these issues, they got like 10 of these things, and you're sitting there looking at them, and I said, go see mom. She'll handle it. She dealt with Jeff and Brian and me and Terry. She dealt with every bit of this stuff. No, but this is why counseling is so serious in our church because we don't counsel. We don't just tell you what the issue is. We find where the root of the problem is and we get you delivered from that. And many times when you deliver them from the root, all these other little ones that are just kind of outlying sources begin to fall off and break off. You begin to break off the little fortresses out here and then you can get to the root and you destroy that and the kingdom that's built up on the inside of you falls so the kingdom of God can begin to manifest and God does amazing things. Then you have a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear. People just worry all the time. I can't go to bed till my baby gets home. He's just, it's 10.01. He's supposed to be over 10 o'clock. My parents said, I'm going to bed. There ain't nothing I can do for him. <laughs> Lord, help them. Trust them into the hands of God. They're stronger than our hands. People always say that they're scared to death, afraid of this to death. Why are you talking death all up in your life? I mean, seriously. Oh, I'm worried to death. Why? Anywhere in the Bible did you see Jesus say something like that? Do you see Paul say something like that? In fact, Jesus and Paul rebuke people for talking like that. Here, if we rebuke people for that, they just say, well, I ain't going back to that church. So I just love you, pat you on the back, and pray the blood of Jesus over you as you leave. Pray God to reveal himself to you. Watch what God can do. The spirit of death that rests upon people. You got a spirit of, you got a spirit of error. 
People who just twist things to see their point of view. A spirit of, of fear on people. A spirit of whoredoms. Whoredoms is this, anything that you have an adulterous relationship on with the, with the word of God. What do you spend more time doing, playing on Facebook or have your face in the book? Ooh, that's a spirit of whoredom. And you're cheating on your relationship with God for your relationship with Facebook. And because you're cheating on your relationship with God, because of your relationship with Facebook, you have a spirit uh, of insecurity and fear that sets in, and now your self-worth is valued on how many people like your post or your tweet or your Instagram picture or, or your kick or your Snapchat or whatever you got out there. Lord Jesus, help us all. There's so many of them out there, I don't even know what they are anymore. And so now your self-value, your self-worth is based on what other people think rather than what God has already said and spoken of you. So get that junk that you're cheating on yourself with God on out of your life. And get rid of those things. And finally, I want to mention this, the spirit of antichrist. Any position you defend that goes against what the Bible says. Pastor, the Bible was written over 2,000 years ago. It was written way back then, and they just didn't have our culture or our time. I understand that. But God, he said, I do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and throughout the ages, forever and ever. Amen. So therefore, I will defend the position of God rather than the position of society, even if it makes me very unpopular. I'm not worried about a popularity contest. If I was worried about that, I wouldn't do half the stuff I did. I'm just grateful y'all come back some Sundays. And so the spirit of Antichrist is any position you defend that is the opposing spirit or the position of God. But today, listen to this. There's great news for you. Because the Bible says this. The Bible says Christ redeemed us from the curse. And cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. And Jesus Christ hung on the tree for us. Now, really quickly, there are five open doors that bring these 15 things that I just mentioned into your life. Number one is this, willful disobedience. Willful disobedience, when you know something's wrong and you continue to do it anyway. And, and I despise songs, and I'll tell you this, this is going to make me very unpopular, that ask for God to break people. Oh, God, break me of this. No, because if you're asking God to break you, you're still in willful disobedience. Because then God's got to break you to make something happen, and then it's not you wanting to submit to God. God's forcing himself upon you, and forced love is rape, and God will not do it. So quit it. Willful disobedience, you must submit your will to the will of God. And if you need to be broken, you break yourself with the things that are keeping you from God. And God will strengthen you to say no and make you leave those things that are pulling you from him. Because Jesus Christ didn't die for you to be broken. He died for you to be healed and made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That word in the Jewish culture is called shalom. It is peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. And Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. My peace I leave unto you. He didn't die for a broken church. He died for a church to be made healed and made whole. So let's walk in it. And some of y'all are thinking, I, this is making me very unpopular. And I can just sense it. And I don't really care. Because your future is way too valuable for me. Your family is way too valuable to me for me to stand up here and lie to you. So I want you to dig into some of this. And watch what God begins to do in your life. Unforgiveness. This opens a ton of doors. People say, I've forgiven them, but I won't forget it. Well, then you need to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And here's the way you know you've forgiven somebody that's hurt you really bad. And I've dealt with a ton of this. If you're ever in any part of ministry, you've dealt with a ton of this. When you can see that person in public and you don't have to put on a fake smile, you can really just look at them and love them. And you can look at them and smile. And you can look at them and embrace them with no hard feelings and no bitterness. That's true forgiveness. True forgiveness, because true forgiveness is this. When Jesus sees you in heaven, he's not going to say, I forgave you, but I didn't forget what you did. Jesus never said that, and he's not going to do that. He's going to see you walk in those gates of heaven. <laughs> and Jesus, if you ever wanted to see somebody doing a happy dance, when he sees me, he'd be like, whoa, I'm so glad you finally made it. <laughs> I'm glad you just got here. <laughs> Think I'm playing. And he's going to say that about you. He's glad that you're there. He's not going to sit here and say, 
I remember the sin you did, but I choose to forgive it and turn his nose up at you because that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is when you can run up and hug somebody and love on them despite or in spite of what they've done to you with a clear heart and a clear conscience. And I love that phrase that the only person unforgiveness keeps in bondage is you, not them. The next open door is this, the door of emotional trauma. These are things that happen in our lives that may be directly from us or because of us or may not. There's a ton of people who have been abused, whether it's sexually, verbally, uh, child molestation, spousal uh, abuse, things like that, emotional trauma that takes place. And in that emotional trauma, you begin to introvert and build up these walls and hold on to these hurts. And within those hurts and in those walls, you make inner vows that say, I will never let this happen and I will never do this. But the fact of the matter is, many people who are molested as child children become child molesters. Because there's a broken, there needs to be a stronghold broken off of that life. There are many people who were abused as kids who then become abusers because they don't know a different way. God wants to break that cycle of abuse, of abandonment, of molestation, of issues in your life. He wants to break it off this morning and change some people's lives. You don't have to be who your daddy or your mama was. You're different, you're unique, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and God's got great and mighty plans for your life. Inner vows and judgments, these are decisions that are made in the midst of something that occurs that declares you will never do or you will never be like. When you begin to declare those inner vows, those begin to be strongholds in your life where the enemy is the source of it because you made it out of fear or anger or bitterness, not out of a spirit of faith that says, I will be different than my dad or my mom, my granddad, my aunt, my uncle, I will be different but you made it out of a hurt or an unforgiveness or an issue and it begins to be a stronghold. Inner vows, we deal with a ton of those in counseling. And finally, curses. These are things that just come upon you from generation to generation because you didn't know to stop it. The sicknesses, the, the, the infirmities, the, the angers, the rages, the, all these things that go on. But here's the issue. Here's the thing. Is there any hope for all this? Yes, here's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. The Bible says this, John 8, 36, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Here's how you're set free. Number one way you're set free this morning is like this. You are set free by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation 1.5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. You are set free by the blood of Jesus. And many people in the body of Christ, they do not access the blood of Jesus Christ. Old school people used to always say this, I plead the blood. If you run into anybody who's 70 plus, that used to be a common phrase in their Christian language. It means when they didn't know how to deal with the circumstance, they were saying, I let the blood of Jesus Christ speak for me. I let it speak. And so I want you today to let the blood of Jesus Christ speak for you. You may not know what spirit you're dealing with because you may have several of them. Don't really focus on what spirit it is. Just recognize that it's there and just begin to declare, I plead the blood of Jesus. I declare the blood of Jesus to wash me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And whom the Son has set free by his shed blood is free indeed. Right now, this morning, you're free from anything that's gone on in your life. You're freed by the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It doesn't mean know that you memorize the scripture. It means know that you have an experience with the truth. You've experienced the truth, and the truth will set you free. The, the key to that is this. When you got saved, you didn't, uh, you didn't just pray a prayer and receive salvation. You experienced salvation because everything was different because you had an experience with God. That word know right there means to have an experience with. I want you to have an experience with the truth, with the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
in that verse of scripture, he said, if you want to be set free, you need to come to me because I'm the way. You need to listen to what I'm saying because I'm the truth. And then when you do that, you will have life in abundance to the full till it overflows, according to John 10, 10. So you are freed because Jesus set you free. You're freed by the blood of Jesus and you are freed by the truth. Finally, this, you are freed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Boy, I love the spirit that's in this place this morning. Boy, there's a spirit of freedom in here, Damon, like never before. And there's a spirit of freedom in here today that we haven't experienced in a long time. But I guarantee you that from today, from this day forward, a spirit of freedom like we've never experienced before is going to rest in this place. And so I declare right now you are set free because Christ said you're free. You're set free because the blood of Jesus has freed you. You're set free because the word of God said so. And you're set free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in this place. Today is your day.